0: Welcome to Sermons of Grace with Pastor David Murphy of the Grace Baptist Church in Gamble's Terrace, Antigua. Last week in our study of the book of Romans chapter 12, Pastor Murphy showed us that the spiritual gift of ministering means being a servant in our actions. Today we'll see how this gift is to be exercised.
1: Alright, turn your Bibles with me please to the book of Romans. Romans chapter 12 I'd like to read from verse uh, number 6 of this chapter and uh, we'll finish at uh, verse number 8 of Romans chapter 12 having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us whether prophecy let us prophesy according to the proportion of faith or ministry let us wait on ministering or he that teacheth on teaching, or he that exhorteth on exhortation, he that giveth, let him do it with simplicity, he that ruleth with diligence, and he that showeth mercy with cheerfulness. I hope you see the, the importance of this, uh, this particular, special, practical gift that Paul is talking about. Now, that brings us to the second point. That's, that's what it means. It means servant, being a servant, that's what it is, being ser- And by the way, are we not all to be servants? Our Lord said, look, I, your Lord, and your master become your servant. If I wash your feet, should you not wash each other's feet? In other words, if I take a servant's role, should you not also want to serve? So Take a servant's role. We're all here to serve. We're all servants. See? I think I told you that when I was running the school well, for a year after we had the problem with one of our principals, I went to a big meeting with all these principals and uh, they were asking what you're doing in school and so on and so forth. And this person got up and said, I, you know, I'm creating princes and, and kings and so on. I got up and said, we're creating servants for Jesus Christ. And everybody went silent. Didn't expect to hear that. Did not expect, I mean, that's what we're doing. We are creating servants, people who want to serve the Lord. See, We're already princes unto our Lord. We don't need to be princes but we need to be servants. That's the emphasis in scripture. But that's what the word literally means. Now how is this gift to be exercised? Paul said, if ministry, in ministering. That's the literal translation. If serving, if service, in serving. That's what the apostle Paul is saying. The word here, ministering, is in what is called the locative case. Let me explain what the locative case is, right? You've got the dative case, you've got the ablative case, et etc. et cetera. Uh, Those who did Latin would, would know a little bit about this, but the Greek also got the same type of cases. But the locative case has to do with the sphere or the realm in which you operate. I repeat, the sphere or the realm in which you operate. So when Paul says here in this particular passage, uh, ministering, Ministry in ministering, what the apostle Paul said is two things. Number one, you operate in the sphere where God has placed you. That's the first thing you say. The sphere. So if God has brought you into this church, He's brought you in this church for a reason. It's not to sit in the pew and soak up the word. You must do that as well. But He brought you in this church to serve where you are. See. So if you've got the gift of service or ministry, you minister or you serve where you are. That is the sphere or the realm in which you work. I mentioned previously that it doesn't mean that you don't have the opportunity. And if God should widen your ministry and God should widen your role of service so that you can be of service to other churches, by all means, get involved if God has opened that door for you. But the one thing you must not do is to lose where your priority is. Your priority first is your local church. To use your gift in your local church. Use it in your local church and use it outside the local church. But don't use it outside the local church and not in the local church. That is your REM, that is your sphere. It's the locative of sphere and REM in which you operate. The second thing I would suggest to you that this is saying when Paul says about if ministering, uh, minister, or if service serving, the locative location also means this that you ought to exercise the gift in the area in which you are gifted. You should concentrate on that sphere that God has given to you, that realm that God has given to you. See? You must try to make that gift and to use that gift. You must be concerned about that gift. Do not cast a covetous eye on somebody else's gift and become so jealous and envious of that other person's gift that you keep wishing you had that gift so that you don't use your gift. Uh, When Paul says here uh, in this particular passage that if if ministering, minister not only in the sphere of the church but in the sphere of your giftedness. No, I'm not a mason but I like the challenge of doing things uh, uh, when I have to do them and I remember the first foul pen I built. i will never forget that. As a, I think it's it Joe that uh, told me about it sometime since I've been here. But you know, I we decided to keep some broilers that's when I was in Barbados we returned to Barbados after I left five years in St. Vincent's pastorate and uh, it took me I think I stayed out of the. I, stayed, I, I did not find a job for two years after I left St. Vincent it was a very difficult time for me because I was expected to go into the evangelism the fellas were telling me pastor we need an evangelist in the Caribbean and uh, you know I had to preach for the guys the guys said listen you know you, you, you seem to be made of that stuff so I believed them so when I left the ministry in St. Vincent to go to Barbados, I was hoping that people would give me a call. For two years, nobody called me to preach uh, evangelistic media. I'll never forget that. It was a very difficult time, so we had to find ways and means. So we decided to keep some broilers and stuff like that, and I decided I'm to do the pen. No, I ain't run the lines. You know, when you run anything, you've got to run lines. I ain't run the lines. I decided I could just do my eye. So I put up the blocks, and the blocks, the who didn't meet. One on one side who didn't meet. See. I was trying to be something but yet who I wasn't to be very honest with you. Trying to exercise a gift I didn't have. See, And I think there are a lot of Christians who do that. They have a certain gift that God has given them but they're always trying to do something else and it becomes obvious to everybody that that's not your gift. But to go to them and tell them it's not their gift they feel insulted. Who are you to tell me that's not my gift? That's a big problem you have and that's why you don't know (laughs) sometimes. I don't want to say it too much, right? But uh, I've sat in our church sometimes and uh, the person person is not here now, okay? Not here now. But the person has gotten up to sing. And the only thing I can do without cracking up so to just hold my head down all the time like this and just concentrate on the word. Because if I don't concentrate the word, I'm gonna give a big gaffo. The fact is, they should sing in a choir, but they didn't have the voice to sing other than that. But how do I tell them that? See, how do you tell them that? Right? And that's part of the problem. We should be so open to each other that I, you should be able to come to me and say, "Be hey, a pastor, that's not your gift. That's what it is. Or I should say, that's not your gift. I don't think that's your gift. Without you feeling offended on the matter. But people take these things very, so that is why they never grow, they never develop. And sometimes, I think I told you about the opera singer in America who everybody went to see. I don't know if you heard that one. I was in Bible school. I learned about that, uh, uh, Bob Jones. Everybody went to, to see this opera singer. But you know why everybody went to see? Because she couldn't sing. It was a big joke, see? But she thought because she saw this big crowd, man alive, I've got the voice of a who. What I'm saying to you is discover what your gift is and stick within the area of your giftedness. That's the thing that Paul is saying here, see? Stick within the, you, you, that's the, 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 the locative case, within the church and within the area of giftedness. Does that mean you shouldn't try a few things once in a while? No, you should try a few things once in a while, but it becomes very obvious afterward that is not your, your gift. For example, I can't play the piano. I can't speak languages. I just can't speak languages. You know, when I was in school, I did Latin, French, and, 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 and Spanish. I came out with a dummy then. I'm still a dummy now when it comes. It just doesn't catch on with me. I went to Lucia Lucian, lived in St. for seven years. Heard people speaking Creole for seven years. I just pick up one or two phrases that when I was visiting, I was able to say a few words, but it, it never, I never grasped it, because it's not my ear of giftedness, see? Just not my ear of giftedness, and I have to recognize that. It's just not my ear of giftedness. See? I admire people who play instruments, but believe you me, I just don't have the ability to play the piano. I just don't have it. Like the coordination, I don't want, it. It, just, it, just, uh, it just, it's not there. So I'm not going to pretend that I can play. I'm going to play a special this morning. Man, the whole church would break down and think Don't you think? You really would break down, right? Um, my best, one of my best friends is Brother King. You all know my, he's my best friend. He knows that. But Brother King is a terrible piano player. Terrible piano player. You know how many times I told Brother King, I said, Brother King, your gift God has given you is your voice you got a unique voice. Develop that voice, concentrate on that voice. I said, but when you come up and you're playing, there's no relation between what you're playing and what you're singing. I've told him that. I told him that. Concentrate your, is your voice, King. You got a unique voice. But you know, I've told him that several times. It doesn't make any difference. He will still come here sometime before he preach. you going and I try and make heads or tails what he's what he's playing with what he's singing. The two don't coordinate. Now you may not agree with me on that one, but you've got to be blind if you don't see that. See? see? Stay in your area of giftedness. That's the sphere of your responsibility. That's the realm in which you should try to excel. See? You know the people who are trying to do every try to do so many things and never become an expert at nothing. We call it the jack of all trades, but they can't do anything professionally See? because they've never stuck with any one thing and focus on that one thing and develop the skill. They just are scattered about. See, and I'll tell you this: if you're going to be successful in the modern times, you've got to specialize. This is one time you've got to specialize, so that you got. By the way, you got doctors who specialize in the eyes. You got doctors who specialize in the bones. Some who specialize in the mouth. Some who specialize on the ears. They spend uh, years and years just studying the ear and the eye. They specialize. So when you want your eye check, you don't go to a general physician. He has been given basic knowledge, but he doesn't have the depth of knowledge that's required. So you go to eye specialist. Far before this idea of specialization was ever touted, the Bible has always said to you, this is your sphere, focus on this. This is the specialized area that God has given to you. Now, does that mean you have one gift? There are some people who have two, three, four, five gifts. So it's not a question of you can have many gifts. All I'm saying to you is whatever that gift is, use. See. And by the way, if you are a person who believes you've got a, a certain other gift and you recognize somebody in the church has that better gift than you, go to that person and say, you know what? You do a better job than I do. I think this is your area's specialty. See, yeah. We must help each other in these regards. Okay. And that's what the Apostle Paul is emphasizing here in this passage. So uh, the secret of happiness for you in the exercise of your gift is to know who you are, what God has given to you, and to use what God has given to you to the best of your ability to develop that gift and deploy that gift in the ministry. Okay. That's the best thing if you want to be happy. Uh, in, in, in the exercise of your gifts. So not only that we have what the gift means, but also where and how that is to be exercised. It's to be exercised in the sphere of the local church that God has called you to, to use, but also you must also focus on the particular gift of God to develop that gift and hone that gift and perfect that gift in your life. See, That's what you do. That brings me to the third point this morning. Where do we find in the Bible uh, any biblical example of the exercising of this uh, gift of ministry? Uh, Is there any way we can flesh it out so we have an idea in more concrete terms of of what this means and how it's supposed to be used? I want to use two cases that I think, uh, not I think, that I know illustrate this because the same word that is used here is the same word that is used then. The first has to do with the book of Acts, chapter six, where uh, the church is, has a, what you call a social welfare program. It's trying to help people in need. The thing about it is a period of expansion. The Bible says that it's a period of growth and addition where people are coming into the church. The, the, the church is bursting at the seams. And of course, with the church expanding like that, the needs are so great. Because a lot of these people that became first Christians came out of very poor situations. Not only came out of a very poor situation, but when they left their Judaism and came into the church, they were disowned by their family and disinherited. So a lot of poor people would come into the church there were people, of course, who had means. And we discovered those people like uh, Ananias and Caesar and Barnabas took their means and they sold their means and they pooled it to help those who were out of need. But in Acts chapter 6, the church is growing so well, expanding at the seams, and there's so many people to cater for that you can't have all these ethnic groups coming into the church with all these differences without having some kind of conflict. So what you discover in the book of Acts is that there are social, cultural differences that were creating conflict and division within the church. There are two groups that are mentioned. They're the Hebraic Jews and they're the Hellenistic Jews. The Hebraic Jews are the Jews who are born in Palestine and live in Palestine. The Hellenistic Jews are those who lived outside Palestine and absorbed the Greek culture. They are still belonging to the same ethnic. They're Jews. But the differences are such that when they're now in the church, they thought that favoritism is being shown and nepotism is happening within the church. Because they now begin to charge the uh, people who handle the soup program of the church that you're neglecting us. You're taking care of these Hebrews but you're neglecting us. Yeah. And you know what, that was creating a, a divisive spirit within the church, a bad spirit. Uh, people felt that some people favored others, people and uh, the apostle said, you know what, we gotta stop this pandemonium and this griping and this murmuring and this complaining uh, within the church. Uh, so what they needed was somebody to serve. Serve, tables, that's what the term is used. Serve in the soup kitchen, if you please. They needed somebody, some people to do that because the apostles were being distracted. They're trying to settle all of these issues, these conflicts and these murmurings, and they're distracted so they can't get themselves to prayer and to study the word. And they said, no, 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 we we just can't. We got to solve this problem. We need servers. We need servers. We need ministers. And in Acts, chapter six, they did six things. Number one, they called for a general meeting of the church, all the members. They said, "I want. we want to meet with you. Number two, they outlined their priorities. They said, look, we've got some priorities. Our priority is to study the word and prayer. That's our priorities. Number three, they said, listen, we need people, and they gave a short job description of what we need. We need people who can serve tables, who can serve soup, See, who are willing to take on the practical task of meeting the needs, the practical needs of the congregation. What else did they do? Well, they set qualifications for those people. These are the type of people you look for. Men of integrity, they talk about who had a good reputation. See, Number two, men who are controlled by the spirit, filled with the spirit, spirit controlled men. And number three, men of wisdom. They gotta be able to negotiate between these two competing factions. Do they have the negotiating skills to solve the problem? So they set out the broad parameters and gave the job description and then outlined the requirements, the qualifications that were required, and then the fourth thing that they did they said we're going to limit how many people are going to be on this, this board or part of this, this committee. We, we, we just want you to take seven out of that. Now notice that they played a the leadership role in defining the job. They're setting the parameters as far as the qualification. They're setting limits of how many they want. That's the apostle's job. Now they say to them, okay, now we've given you these outlines. We want you to meet, and we want you to select. So the fifth thing they did was that they had the seven people democratically elected by the church members. And they chose seven of these men uh, for the ministry. And having been uh, democratically elected, the next thing they do, they took these men apart, they laid their hands on them, and set them apart for this work of the ministry. See, And guess what? They turned it over to them. You know what the result was? Stupendous results happened. Three things happened. Number one, the Bible said the word increased. The apostles were relieved. Now they can concentrate on the preaching of the word and the teaching of the word. Number two, he said, the disciples multiplied. Now, what's a disciple? A disciple is a learner. So not only are they preaching, but they're also teaching the converts and discipling people. And then number three, it said, and a great number of priests believed there was conversion, evangelism. Now they're doing the consistent their job. Now they're reaching people that they could not reach before where these priests are now listening to the word. See, those three stupendous results came as a, a, a simple job of turning over a task of serving tables to people who were willing to do it, See, Sometimes we, we underestimate and we diminish uh, those simple tasks that people have to do, people who are workers, people who are servers, and they don't get the credit that they, are, are, that they do sometimes uh, because they're not in a teaching position, they're not in a preaching position, and not in, you know, etc. But very clearly, they are central to the effective function of the church, and that's why after prophecy, Paul now mentioned this gift, of serving, see. And look at it operative there. Uh, And the word deacon for the first time, the same word by the way that's used in this word, these seven men are what we call the first deacons in the church. But notice it came about as a result of a practical need that needed attention, not of the apostles where they're distracted, but of people who had the gift of serving, see. And who were willing to put themselves at the disposal to be selected for the task. The apostles just outlined the qualifications and the church went ahead and did it. Now let me draw an attention to the second example of this this, uh, gift at work. Turn with me to the book of 2 Timothy chapter four. And I want to look at verse number 11 of 2 Timothy chapter four. Well, uh, maybe we should read uh, from verse number two, verse number nine. He said, do thy diligence to come shortly unto me, for Demas have forsaken me, having loved this present world, and is departed unto Thessalonica, Crescens to Galatia, and uh, Titus unto Dalmatia. Only Luke is with me. Take Mark and bring him with thee, for he is profitable with me for what? It should not be the ministry, but for ministry. That's what Paul says literally there, for ministry. Now, you remember who John Mark was? John Mark, you remember, was a member of the first missionary journey. We're told that Paul took him in Acts chapter 13 to go on the first missionary journey, and when Paul went to Seleucia and Cyprus and Salamis and Paphos, they came to a place called Perga and Pamphylia. We're told that John Mark decided that he's gonna leave Paul at Perga and Pamphylia, and he went down to Jerusalem. We're not given the reason why he left. Was it the hardship of the ministry? Was it some medical need maybe? His mom, his dad, whatever. We're not given the reason. We just learned that he went four places and then when he came to the fifth place, he said, Paul, I had enough. And he went back to Jerusalem. Now you remember that uh, Paul was greatly disappointed that this young man had prematurely exited the mission trip. So what happened then is that when Paul is about to go on the second missionary journey, Barnabas, who is John Mark's uncle, he is uh, uh, he is Barnabas' nephew. Paul is now looking for partners to go on the missionary journey. And uh, Barnabas said, let's take Mark. Family, let's take Mark. Paul said, we ain't taking Mark nowhere. You have forgotten that this man left us prematurely, exited, left the ministry, did not complete the task, and now you're asking to take this man on a second missionary. Paul said it ain't happening. And the Bible said there was so much contention between Paul and Barnabas that they told him split. They couldn't agree. So Paul took Silas and went to Seleucia, and Barnabas took John Mark and went to Cyprus. The, the contention was so great between them. The apostle Paul felt it was a waste of time investing his life in a young man who didn't have the courage to stick out on the missionary journey. And Paul said, "I'm done with you. I'm done with you." See? But thank God there was a Barnabas, and I'm not too sure it's because of his fact that he was his nephew. Barnabas said, "You know, Paul, you're too harsh." So I think what I'm going to do, I'm going to take this young man under my wing, I'm going to mentor him. So we're going to go over to Cyprus, we're going to do some missionary work, you go ahead and do your work with Silas, but I'm going to devote my life to this young man and develop, because I see something in him that you don't see. So what he did, he worked with Barnabas, with John Marr, and now look at Paul at his last dying moment. Paul is now in Roman prison, he's facing death. Uh, He can die any moment. Who does he send for? He said, Timothy, find Mark and bring Mark. Thank God Barnabas didn't give it on Mark. See? Thank God, he was given a second chance. See, That's how people's personality differ, by the way. People's personality differ. Even Paul and Barnabas could have such contention. They can't agree that we can work on this situation. You see something in him, I see nothing in him. All I see is a turncoat, a man with no guts. I I tell you, I don't have no time to invest in that kind of a person. Barnabas, on the other hand, saw something in Mark and said, you you don't see it, buddy, but I can see it. I know it's there, I just know it's there. I'm gonna work with it. And he was able to bring it out in Mark. Now, here's Paul facing death, and in this moment of, of, of death, guess what happened? He needs someone to serve him, to minister to his needs. Who in the world does he think about? Mark, something has happened in Mark's life. Mark is not the old Mark that went on his missionaries for. Mark is a new Mark because Barnabas invested and mentored him. So now I am in jail, and I'm getting an old man. Uh, this is a passage where you, you talk about how old he is an old man in one of the epistles. And remember that Paul had a problem, a perennial problem, most people believe it was his eyes. Remember he said, I have written to you Galatians in these capital letters, these huge letters. It's believed that when he met Jesus Christ in the road of Damascus and he was blinded, that that continued to affect him. And Paul, uh, when Paul's thorn in the side, it's believed that this was Paul's thorn. He wanted God to uh, to remove that because it was an impediment to his work of the ministry having to write epistles. How do you write epistles when you can't see properly? See, and the Lord said, no, see, no, I'm not going to, my grace is sufficient, but he needs Mark." You know, the jails today are not like the jails back then. You know. Today you get your meal cooked for you and stuff like that. You want water, you get water. In those days, somebody better bring water for you. Somebody better bring food for you, see. So the menial task of maintaining Paul is now sign to this young. Besides, Paul is communicating with the other churches. He's writing epistles. How is he going to get those epistles to those places? He has to find a young man who is willing to, be, to, to, to set aside his time to go, to be active. Mark is that kind of a person. He's a hands on person. He, is, he has the, the, the gift of service, of ministering. And Paul said, Bring him to me. I need him. See, I'm handicapped, but now I need him. Yes. And thank God uh, that this young man made himself available. <laughs> People can change. I know sometimes that some of you think I'm harsh. I am a very harsh person because I don't have time to put it with foolishness. Very, very honest with you, life is too short. Very, very, very short, you know. The other people who have a more um, uh, more docile type of a th- approach or, you know, but, but for me, uh, I look at things in, in black and white. I look at things that needs to be done, they gotta be done. I look at people who waste time, I don't have time to waste time, et cetera, et cetera, right? Too old for that. When you're young, uh, I find the most impatient person is an old person. I used to thought the older I get, the more patient I become. But the problem I find is that because you realize that you are running out of time, your clock is running out so fast, you want to get things done, it makes you very, very impatient. So you don't want to stand in a line. Honestly, you don't want to stand in a line. Just, 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 don't. When you say, uh, time to leave, you want people in the car before you even have time to leave, right? You don't have time for those guys because your t- clock is running out and you become very, very impatient to try to get things done. But um, clearly, Mark was one of those persons that needs special attention. And it's fortunate in, in the case of the, uh, he had an uncle who was willing to invest time in him. So he knew the value uh, of not giving up on a person too soon and the value of working and mentoring so that that person become a useful person in the ministry. So those are two very clear examples of practical things of this particular gift. Um, serving, ministering, uh, hands-on activity. Not verbal thing to do with verbalizing anything. That's not, the, that's not your gift. Your gift is a hands-on type of person. I would say to you um, that this particular gift is, is high up the list for one reason only. You remember what Philippians chapter two says when he's talking with our Lord? Let this mind be in you which is also in Christ Jesus. Who though being in the form of God did not consider equality with God something to be held on to, but made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant. Ah. See that? Form of a servant, see? When you serve, you're like your master. And I think that's why this gift is up there, because he said, I did not come to be ministered unto, but to minister and give myself for others. Ministering, serving. I ask you this morning, is it your gift? is it your gift? If it is, I'm saying to you, if ministering, minister, is serving, serve. Do and put that gift to use. Not wait on serving, not wait on ministering. Get involved, get active, because that's your gift. We'll pick up the others uh, one by one. Perhaps you'll study two or three together. Uh, but I thought that this one in particular uh, is one of those gifts that we seem to neglect. We just seem to ignore completely. Uh, but you can see very clearly it's a vital gift uh, that was so crucial to the important success of the New Testament church in the book of Acts and then also in the life of the Apostle Paul to have this young man to serve in this capacity. Left out the a word of prayer. Father, thank you for your word this morning. I pray that you would help each believer here to understand that God has given to them certain gifts. Help them to be wise, uh, to use the gift that you have given to them within your house and within the ministry. But help them to concentrate on the area of their giftedness. The sphere is within the church. The sphere is within the the area of giftedness that you have uh, endowed them with. Help us to understand that we don't need to be jealous and envious of each other. We don't need to compete for the limelight or compete for to be seen. We just need to be who we are supposed to be, serving you without even the consciousness of who observe or who don't observe, because our focus is on you and not on man. Thank you that within this church, you have provided persons with this particular gift, Thank you for all the help that has been rendered uh, as a result of the employment of this gift within this ministry. A lot of the aesthetics and visual success that people would see is a result of diligent work that people have done who are helpers, who are a person who have the gift of serving. We thank you for those also who do the gift of teaching, who teach in the Sunday school, who teach within the children's ministry, who are involved in a uh, vocation Bible school when we have it. Those who are involved in uh, ladies' ministries and those who are involved in children's ministries. All of these are uh, areas of, of giftedness. And then, Lord, we are about to embark on a vital ministry uh, in terms of the rehab ministry. We will need people who have the gift of counseling, uh, who have the gift of compassion and mercy, uh, people who have a deep feeling for the welfare of others and who are willing to make sacrifices in the interest of others. Raise up in our church a a caliber of people to meet the demands that are going to come our way as we fulfill what we believe is your will in this regard. We just thank you for uh, not only this church, but we thank you for other Baptist churches and other ministries where there are people who are serving in that gift of ministering. Every church needs a one person with this gift. It's a blessing, a tremendous blessing uh, to any church. And every single pastor who has a person or individuals within the church who have this gift, they praise you and thank you regularly for the fact that they have been able to relieve them so that they can devote themselves to the matter to which they're called, the preaching of the word, the study of the word. Bless this church. Thank you for bringing people into this church. And Lord, you foresee our need in the future. And it's our prayer this morning that you would bring others who can fulfill these types of ministries within the church. Help every person here this morning to take the word of God, examine the word of God, and use the word of God as a standard by which they understand the use of these gifts understand the nature of these gifts and to discern and discover the specific gift in which thou was endowed in with may you continue to bless and continue to use you pray these things in christ's name amen
0: be sure you join us again next time here on sermons of grace as pastor murphy shows us the spiritual gift of teaching If you'd like to contact Pastor David Murphy or Grace Baptist Church please call 268-462-4230 or visit during one of their service times. Sunday School is at 9am, Sunday morning at 10am, Sunday evening at 7pm, or Thursday evenings at 7pm. Grace Baptist Church is located on Rowan Henry Street in Gambles Terrace, Antigua.